0: Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher, Buzz Laubeck. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. Matthew 24, 11-14. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures till the end will be saved. This is the third day of the week in God's created order. The fifth day of the second month, 2024th year of our Lord. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity this morning to fellowship in your word. I pray this morning that, that you guide this speaker in truth and the listeners in discernment as we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, making light uh, to 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 come to understanding these prophetical events and how they relate. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And let's start this morning with a few few points of doctrine. Apologies for yesterday morning. We uh, had some serious distractions going on. I did have to stop early, but we will continue. We'll pick up even from the beginning here. Let's take a look at some uh, points of doctrine here. Principle of doctrine. Number one, there's no prophecy in the church age. There's no prophecy in the church age. The church age is the a time of historical trends and uh, historical trends and patterns. And what we see throughout history, throughout what we see throughout history is stage the stage being set for one, but we see things looking like it's, it looks like the end, it looks like we see things that are coming together, but yet, I won't say that they filter out or peter out, but um, such as throughout history, there's, there's been a pointing out of this guy like Hitler, you know, going all the way back to really to, to the first Antichrist figure, which was Nimrod back in uh, Genesis. But throughout history, I don't even think Hitler knows. I think Hitler's on the alert that from time to time there, there is the alert and he comes on on and, and he, already, he always has his, his man waiting in the, in the wings to be able to pull up. At one, and I think Hitler may have been uh, Satan's man at, at the point ready to, ready to put up as the Antichrist. And others as well throughout history. But these were historical trends. They were not prophecy. And while people thought they were, then history just continues on. But one day, one day Hitler's going to have his man. He, he he's in probably in the wings right now. And when, as the historical trends, then they move into a prophetical the the prophet the prophecy that we're looking forward to. Okay. So first of all no prophecy in the church age and we're living in the time of the church age it begins with the day of Pentecost it will end when the exit resurrection the rapture of the church where the church is removed from this earth and goes to be with the Lord second principle I want to make this morning is while the church remains a mystery all prophecy is centered on the nation and the people of Israel God's covenant people. Daniel, before we go to Revelation, it is advisable to make a study of Daniel. Because what we are seeing here is the unfolding of Daniel. Not just Daniel, but Ezekiel and the other prophetical books in the Hebrew canon in the Old Testament. these Hebrew... in the, Old Testament, it's not pointed to the church. These prophecies are pointed to who? God's covenant people. Point three, there are two events that should not be confused. And when when we put them together, they, they lead to confusion. There are two events that we have to keep in mind. Number one is the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians 4.17. And as I've already mentioned, the rapture of the church is the removal of the Bride of Christ. We live in a time where there's the assembly of the Bride of Christ. With the rapture of the church, the church will be removed from this earth. Jesus doesn't come down to earth, but the church is removed to meet the Lord in the air, to meet the Lord in the clouds, and He shall be with them forever. And... With this, there there is no there is no signs regarding to the rapture of the church. No signs. It's imminent. It was in the, it was imminent that the people were expecting to go in the time of Paul, and throughout history, they they should have been ready. The church, just like the Jews were in the time of the Exodus, they needed to be girded up with staff in hand, ready to go. And that's us. We need to be ready at an instant notice to be to leave this world, to to leave this earth and to be united with our bridegroom. So there's no signs related to the rapture of the church. The second major event is the return of the Lord, second advent. This does have signs. This and this is what the Olivet discourse is. When the disciples said, "Give us a, uh, show us the signs. What what are the signs of your coming? What are the signs of these things coming and your coming? And so, they're not saying what are the signs of the rapture, but they're asking what are the signs of your coming? And this has to do with the with the continuation of Daniel's 70th week, of those saints that are within the tribulation, headed toward and, and looking for it. So, in the church age, we are looking to be removed. After the church age, then it is look, those that are saints, those tribulation saints, they're looking for Christ to return. Alright, that's the end of points of doctrine this morning. So let's continue on. This morning, let's take a look at love. The subject of love. And, and it's not the subject of love, but it's one of the signs. One of the signs of the Lord coming is the growing, the coldness, or the love growing cold. So let's take a look at the love that draws cold. So what we see in our time is a time of historical trends again. And we can see when we read even the Olivet Discourse that has to do with the, with the tribulation within leading up to the return of Christ. Again, historical trends. Again, we're looking at things that have happened before and continue to happen. And historically, we see it now. We really do in, in all kinds of different areas. Looking at this, we would think that we would be living in the tribulation. Love is growing cold. And there, it's a simple formula. It is forgetting God or leaving God out of the picture. Pushing God out of the picture. You see, God is love. We love because He first loved us. And we are reflectors of the love of God. And that our love of God draws cold when our appreciation or our love for His Word grows cold. We know God through His Word. Our growth comes through Scripture. And what we see now is is the growing ignorance of God's Word. You see, willful ignorance of God's Word is tantamount to the rejection of God's Word. And you reject God's Word. You reject the Lagos. Written Lagos, you might as well reject the living Lagos. But in doing that, your love is growing cold. Now, you may not think so. There's there's a lot of people out there, and this this is something we should test ourselves. What is your love based upon? Really, what is your love based upon? Usually it's personal love. The attraction for someone else. You love someone because they've got a pleasing personality. You love someone because they return that love back to you. You, you admire a person. You love a person for whatever reason. And we equate that for we equate that to be God's love. We got this is February. We got Valentine's Day, and Valentine's Day is not the celebration of true love. And some of you may get a little, a little feisty on this, but Valentine's is a pagan holiday, and somebody heard that before. But this is the pagan. This is the paganism behind and I won't go into Cupid and all that. I'll just say this. We have redefined love. We refine love to the point of attraction. That's why we have the, the uh, craziness that we have in this world centered around love. Two men loving each other. Two women loving each other. Uh, human beings with animals and all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, happy Valentine's Day. Because we're celebrating a pagan love. A, as, as the world has defined love. That's not love. And if you define it upon human good and niceness, that's not going to last either, folks. Because when you start, when, when love, be, when it is, how far will you take your love to someone that hates you? to someone that despisefully uses you. For those that... remember, You know this. I think we've all said it. Or at least have all said, thought it. After all I did for her. After all I did for him. They're going to do that to me. In a small way, look at traffic. If, if you drive around in traffic, as I do quite a bit, you've got somebody coming up wanting to get out in the traffic. They're stuck in traffic. If, if somebody doesn't let them in, they're going to be sitting there forever. You slow up to let them in. This is just a little thing. They don't wave. They don't do nothing. They just look the other way and they pull in the traffic. Not even wave, not a thank you, nothing. What does that do for my appreciation level? After I, that's done so many times, I get a little angry. I say, I'm not going to let the next person in because they're probably not going to thank me either. Whoa, stop right there. I did for another in order to receive appreciation back. Did I really do it for the Lord or did I do it for myself? See, when that appreciation level drops, how far will your own love grow cold if it's not directed, if it's not to true love? Because true love, listen, true love. True love its not Valentine's Day or anything Valentine's Day represents. True love is one's love for God. One's love for God is reflected to his love toward man. If your love for God is right, then and only then can you love your enemies. Then and only then can you, can you love those who persecute you and those that, those that use you and so forth. Okay. So we're talking about the John or John 4, let's just go a couple verses here, John 4:10. First John 4:10. And this we is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. We love other people on the basis of who and what God is. Now if you're ignorant of God, even for those who profess to be Christians, if you're ignorant with God, you cannot love someone that you do not, that you are not personal with. I can say I love my neighbor, but not on a personal sense. Personal love for God, as you're growing in the Word, will be reflected on your love toward man. 1 John 4:19. We love because he first loved us. If someone says I love God and hates his brother he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So our our love for man as Christians, our love for their neighbor is a reflection of our love for God. So as I've already alluded to, that our our growth comes through Scripture. Our knowing God is our love toward one another. So what? So what can Satan do to disrupt our our love for one another? Is to put in a virus into our thinking. Again, thought, decision, motive, and action. What you think is is highly important, especially what you think of God. And your thinking of God is going to be expressed in your thoughts, your, or in, your, in your motives, your decisions, and your actions. So what does Satan do? He brings in the false teachers. And false teaching does not draw one to God. Your rejection of the Scripture does not draw one to God. And as much, Rebecca and I spoke about this, I think, yesterday morning or last night. As much as we like the music, as much as music, we we enjoy the music, but the music doesn't draw us to God. And there are those that confuse music with, and the elevation of their emotional status to their worship of God. That's not. No way. It is the Word of God. So when we, when our view of God is distorted because of our, our view of Scripture is distorted, or though Scripture is rejected, also Satan will throw in confusion in the Bible. He will he will bring up confusion to the point where people say, "Well, I'm just I just don't understand the Bible," so they dismiss it and they look for other means. Again. False teaching draws us away from God and draws us away from true love. And there look at it this way there's no thermal heat where there's darkness. There's no radiant heat. There's no heat that away from the light. And the further away from the light, and God is light, as God is love, and the further away from God that we are drawn. The colder we get, and so all the people that we, all the people that we associate with in darkness, there's no true love, only love of attraction. We're compatibly sinner, we compatibly sinners in the darkness. We only, we are only attracted to those that we have some compatibility with. Our drinking buddies, our our good time, rocking, even our religious buddies that are walking in darkness. Those people that those only people that we can personally love is the people that we love. But in the light, again, in the light, coming back into the light, coming back into our fellowship with God. We love the people even those who we have no attraction to, even those that persecute us on the basis of who and what God is. And uh, so, outside of the darkness and away from God, our love grows callous. In such times where there's lawlessness, people will refine, redefine truth. And they will redefine love, along with other things. See, in the darkness, in the darkness and carnality, we we are we are led to redefine terms we allow the world to redefine terms for us great biblical terms the terms that mean that are so important to our thinking such terms as work authority sex, marriage, right and wrong these things these things have great significance when connected to the bible but out in carnality, they are redefined, including what we've already talked about, love. So we lament about the divorce rate in churches. From time to time, I see statistics. But rarely do I hear the reason why there's such a divorce rate. You think in churches that there wouldn't be They report like it's a shock. And it is over fifty percent that couples in churches, married couples, end with the the marriage ends with divorce. Why should that be? Could it be any correlation to the absence of truth? Absence of truth taught from the pulpit. Absence of truth received and lived by by the people of the congregation. So these times that Jesus is speaking of is not now as bad as they seem now. We ain't seen nothing yet, and there is a when the restrainer is removed in the coming of, after the rapture when the restrainer is removed. Well, let's, I tell you what, let's take a look at that passage. Let's go to Second Corinthians two one through seven. Because this is the time that the Olivet discourse is pointing to. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this is not the rapture. We're talking about the end of the rapture. We're talking about the end of the age here, with the Lord Jesus Christ coming to set up His administration to defeat the Antichrist and to set up His administration. Uh, in reference to Thessalonians the letters to Thessalonians was to believers that felt like they had missed the boat that they had missed the rapture and that uh, they, were, they were now subject to the whims of the Antichrist here so now we request you brethren with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him that you not be quickly shaken from your composure to be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come let no one in any way deceive you for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction Uh, this is This is a showdown between the the God's Christ and Satan's Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know What restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken away. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to the end the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan with all power and signs and false wanderings and with all deceptions of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason, and um, and it goes on. Let me give you another here, First Timothy 4, 1-5. But the Spirit explicitly says In the later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy and liars seared in their own conscience as a branding iron. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods, which God has created gratefully, shared by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing be rejected, and received gratitude. The world, as we see it, is growing more lawlessness. And, it, and this is for a reason. There's, there's not only as a sign, but there is also a reason for this. We've already talked about the falling away from the faith, we've falling away from, and uh, people's love for God is growing cold. But there's also a prophetical aspect, or apical—I won't say apical—but the 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 hatred for God's people will grow, and and it will grow to a let's just say irrational level. To the point where even the hatred and the violence against God's people going to be condoned. Like it was in the time of Hitler, very much condemned, and um, they, it's kind of like it's kind of like Obama saying the the when when the attack on the Jewish people uh, uh, in October and the atrocities that were that occurred in that, Obama kind of shrugged his shoulders. He just said he said I'll, I'll, I'm paraphrasing, but. He said, "Yeah, it shouldn't have happened. Hamas shouldn't have done that. But Israel brought it upon themselves. This is going to be the anti. This is going to be the attitude of those in the and in, in that period of time. But that that love will grow cold. There's no compassion for these people, and there will be no compassion for those that those Gentiles that ally with these people and help these people." and those that profess Christ. And so, that will become the encouraging word. You can almost imagine. Remember also, I'll say this, that Scripture is not written just for us in our time. We live in a time where the, the Jewish unbelievers... Reject the New Testament. They reject the Greek canon. They, the Tanakh, the Old Testament, the, the Torah, the, the writings and the, and the prophets. Okay, that's their Bible. Um, much like many Christians now say, well, the Greek canon, the New Testament, is our, is our Bible, and the Old Testament is for the Jews and. There's a mindset that the Jews say, "Well, this is our canon. Um, we reject totally the new, Can- new Testament, the Greek canon." But in this time, as as the uh, where there is the Jewish believers and the the converts and uh, the, the Greek converts, then they're going to be looking at the entire New Testament, or there's going to be entire Testament, not only the old but the new. And so the message that Jesus speaks, going to be going to be listened to. It's going to be taught in in underground churches and uh, other places. And there's the rabbis or the the teachers of that time will give an encouragement, and they will this encouragement because the persecution will be up, the hatred for the Jews and for anybody that professes the name of Christ. Will be public enemy number one, and so they will assemble together to, and they will receive encouragement from from others. So, uh, Matthew. So let's look at this real quick. I've got just a couple minutes left. Matthew twenty four thirteen. Here's the encouragement that there will be in those in those underground churches to to those believers living in the tribulational times. But the one who endures till the end, he will be saved. And sal- salvation—we've learned about salvation in the past. And salvation—the word is sozo, and it means to be saved. But it also means to be delivered. Be careful. Sal- sozo, so- so, salvation, is like love. In other words, in the Bible, you must correctly use it. In- in context yes save one aspect of salvation is being saved from the eternal lake of fire the Calvinists like to use this as, and the perseverance of the saints and what have you uh, to to mean and limit it to the lake of fire and for and being saved from the eternal lake of fire and being saved to to be going to heaven but sozo, salvation, deliverance. We've taught in the past here, it has three different connotations, well, at least three different connotations, probably more than that, but three emphasis. First of all, salvation, what we've already said, from eternal condemnation of God. We, sozo, to be delivered from that. Okay, we are saved from the eternal judgment of God. And that is our positional salvation, our positional sanctification. So that's what we call justification, that we've been adjudicated from our sins. There's the second phase of salvation. That second phase of salvation is sanctification. That's being saved from the presence of sin, or not presence, the power of sin over our lives. And Well, that that is our life, that is our drawing near to the Lord, that is our being cleansed by the Word of God. That's sanctification. We're being saved from the power of sin over our lives. And then finally, the third is glorification, which is being saved from the presence of sin. That's when we give up this body of corruption and take on a new body. We're going to continue this in the morning. This is where we'll have to leave off with sozo. We're going to pick up So with the salvation with this passage or with this verse. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And take a look. What what are these people being saved from? What are they being saved to? And that's what we'll pick up in the morning. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity of fellowshipping in your work. We pray, Heavenly Father, that as we continue to to look at this olive discourse, this time when Jesus, so important that Jesus is teaching in these words, and the the cross is looming at this point historically for Christ, and he's got to teach some important things to his disciples. The disciples that's going to go out to become apostles to teach this to to others. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you continue as as good Bereans, we continue to check the Scriptures to ensure that these things are correct and right. And may we live by Your Word. Have and these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Alright, we have our study, our Tuesday night study tonight. We will be continuing in Hebrews. So until then, stay motivated. Lord, keep your armor on and keep fighting the good fight of faith. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.